A lot of movies use music as sonic wallpaper, just background sound to fill silence and fit the genre. But bold, memorable films tend to have equally strong and unforgettable music at the forefront. Great filmmakers have a way of merging images and narrative with the visceral power of sound. It happens a lot in art house films, like those you can watch on the new Criterion channel. I've been perusing their catalog lately, and lots of titles have come to mind. Music can tie a film to a time and a place. Punk rock is what sets Repo Man in 1980s LA. Black Orpheus uses Bossa Nova to put us in Brazil in 1959. But more than just establishing setting, film music can be like a color scheme, putting everything into harmony. Wes Anderson's choice of music is as painstaking and obsessive as his set design. It must have cost a fortune to use the Beatles' Hey Jude for the opening montage of the Royal Tenenbaums, but it's the perfect song for looking on the members of the Tenenbaum family with sympathy as we hear the many, many ways they failed to live up to their potential. The music is essential to the story. For KMUW, I'm Mark Foley. This is Musical Space. I'm Fletcher Powell. Mark Foley, of course, here with me. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Great. Glad to be here, Fletcher. And last time around, we talked uh, sort of about classical composers and jazz composers who wrote scores for the movies. Right. Today, uh-huh. we're talking a little more of a mix, uh, songs that were made for movies, but also songs that were incorporated into movies that existed uh, certainly outside of those movies. Right. Yeah. Just uh, great filmmaking that just tends to use music to just tie it together and... Uh, and it just works for me memorably somehow, you know? Yeah, and this list is great. I uh, have or have had all but one of the soundtracks to these movies before. Um, no so, kidding. Yeah, so wow. I'm excited to get into it. Uh, <laughs> let's start off uh, with The Red Shoes. This is a Powell and Pressburger movie uh, from the late 40s. It's, uh, I think, based on a Hans Christian Andersen um, folktale. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. and... and Honestly, one of the most gorgeous movies I've ever seen. Right, yeah. I, it's kind of obscure now, which is weird. Um, it came out in 1948 in in England, and uh, it was a London production. Uh, didn't make a lot of money at first, but ended up being one of the most successful British films ever. Um, this one has a soft spot in my heart because my mom told me that this is the movie that inspired her to be a pianist. Oh, my goodness. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, so I keep thinking about it when I think about this movie. And it's just an amazing score. I don't even know who this person is. Brian Easdale uh, wrote the uh, soundtrack to The Red Shoes, but this is a really amazing ballet sequence that's kind of the, uh, kind of the cornerstone scene of the whole movie.
moving on to uh, really one of the most famous movie themes of all time in, in one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, it's the theme from The Third Man. I know. I'm just repeating myself. <laughs> but I just love this movie so much. Everything about it is just there's so many great details and the drama is so deep. Um, but the music just ties it together in such a cool way. Uh, this guy, Anton Karras, um, did the soundtrack in 1949. And he's playing this instrument called a zither. This is the main title theme, the Harry Lime theme from The Third Man. I was super into Jamaican music for a long time. I still really like it, but one of the uh, albums that really got me into it was my parents had a vinyl copy of uh, the soundtrack to The Harder They Come. Wow, you've got hip parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, let's let's uh, look at that. Jimmy Cliff, I mean, made made the soundtrack for the movie. I, yes, it was sort of uh -huh. a partner, uh, released an album along with the, the right, movie. Right, yeah, both came out in 1972. Um, the Harder They Come. This is the movie and album that brought reggae to the world. Yeah, and you know, it's really interesting to see uh, a movie, you know, made in Jamaica, speaking uh, Jamaican English. Uh, right. I mean, I have to put uh -huh. the subtitles on, of course. Uh, <laughs> it's almost impossible to watch without it. But, uh, you know, not super high budget, but but it's a really fascinating look at uh, a particular kind of life that we don't get a look at that yeah, much. Yeah, it just pulls us into this culture. It's not just the music. It's just the depth of the culture that, that produced this. And it was kind of news to everybody here. And there was a big reggae music scare right after this. So. <laughs> There's always a scare. Yeah. <laughs> Oh 
move on to another just great soundtrack uh, and a really fun movie, as weird as it is, Repo Man. <laughs> if you hate punk rock, <laughs> um, see this movie anyway. It's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It is so funny. And I couldn't think of anything other than punk rock being the background. Sure, yeah, it just absolutely. ties it all together. The, the plot is all over the place, so something needs to tie it all together. I mean, it's got everything. It's got aliens. It's got... Um, wanton alcoholism, <laughs> um, just a lot of decadence and. Oh, um, but it's a blast! It's yeah, yeah. Just see it. See Repo Man from 1984, and Iggy Pop is the guy who invented punk rock in my mind. He did the uh, title tune, Repo Man, from Repo Man, Okay, uh, this is the one soundtrack that I have not had, which is not a comment on my feelings about the movie because it's obviously a, a brilliant movie. Um, but you're looking at, at the soundtrack for Brazil. Yeah, right. The, we've already been to Brazil. We were listening to music from Black Orpheus earlier. And I wanted to just touch on Brazil again because this is another movie that, that uses Brazilian music in a totally different way. Uh, this is from 1985, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and this is kind of an ironic juxtaposition of this music um, against this dystopian future kind of world that uh, people get really sucked into. <laughs> um, I don't know what, what it's saying exactly. It's hard to pinpoint it. It's huh. like kind of saying, like, life goes on even when you're living in a 1984 <laughs> dystopia or... Um, I don't know. Um, it's funny and sad at the same time, but it ties the, the movie together. Yeah, sometimes you don't know with Terry Gilliam. Right, yeah. Uh -huh.
And then uh, moving back to a piece that you mentioned uh, in your uh, segment just a little bit ago, uh, that use of Hey Jude in the Royal Tenenbaums, I mean, that's just fantastic. I know, right, yeah. Uh, I'm sure uh, Wes Anderson couldn't afford the actual recording of the Beatles doing that. I don't think there's enough money in the world for anybody <laughs> to buy that, <laughs> buy the rights to that song. Uh, but that's cool because uh, one of my heroes, Mark Mothersbaugh, did this version of it. His production company, uh, Mutato Musica Orchestra, uh, put this together for the Royal Tenenbaums in 2001. And it just ties the whole opening montage together. Um, you get the whole family history with this continuation of this song that just goes over and over and over. And Well, and you know, it, it feels like it m- might almost be kind of too easy or a cliche to use something like Hey Jude, something so well known, but like it's the perfect song for this opening yeah, to the movie. It just feels right somehow. 